everybody to the latest edition of the podcast. Uh, this is the podcast where I interview uh, friends, mentors, and leaders who inspire me to consistently and persistently pursue my potential. And today I am delighted to be joined by uh, Dr. Mark Atkinson, who has been a mentor of mine for uh, the last number of years, actually, um, been fundamental to my development as a coach uh, and fundamental, actually, to a lot of the work I'm doing in Google right now with the introduction of psychological fitness and coach training for the managers at Google. Um, Mark, Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for making the time to be with us today. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me and uh, thank you for showing up the way that you do and for being just so open and receptive to the teachings and to exploring other ways of being in the world that are good news for you and good news for the world around you. So I, I appreciate you doing that. <laughs> Thank you so much. So, uh, Mark, I, I guess people may be curious a little bit about your backstory. Um, we, we met initially uh, through a coach training program um, that yes. I did at Human Potential Institute. Yes. Um, can you kind of give a little bit of um, a, a kind of introduction to yourself and to your own journey and what brought you to the whole world of, of coaching and human potential development? Yes, of course. Well, uh, the professional journey is a medical doctor to human potential teacher to entrepreneur and, and just a guy on a mission to get the world psychologically fit. That's the professional journey. So that's what it looks from the outside. On the inside, well, I was just a guy, kind of like many of us, uh, struggling with life at various times in my life. and. Um, went through a period in my life uh, where anxiety, uh, depression uh, were a real problem. And um, I, my initial response to that was to cover it up with uh, a kind of, you know, excellence and competency and togetherness, uh, just this veneer of, I'm okay. Um, you won't get close to me, but I'm okay. Um, and uh, what I realized was uh, that relationship. A true relationship can't happen when you're operating through a veneer of togetherness. Mm-hmm. And uh, so really I became v- very interested um, when I was in my 20s in ways of actually really trying to figure out how to get healthy, happy, and well, and at peace. I wasn't at peace. Mm-hmm. I was tense, distracted, um, unable to be authentic and to be vulnerable. I just didn't know how to do that. And so what started was this um, initially a reluctance and then eventually a very sincere desire to be in the world in the way in which I felt at peace and, um, and felt I belonged. And so naturally that took me into the world of self-help, personal development, human development. And um, I did a lot. A lot of stuff and was, you know, like yourself, so grateful to have met certain people um, who could see me, saw into my potential, certainly saw beyond the facade <laughs> uh, and were able to guide me. And, and so it was really a mix of mentors, uh, life experiences, but maybe above all else, uh, a willingness to be real, mm. a willingness to, uh, to live from depth um, that really drove me to learn to meditate, to learn how to be more open and vulnerable, to learn ultimately how to take charge of my mind because my mind was working against me. Mm. 
Yeah, for sure. In, in my professional life, I was high performing and that was great and that was amazing. But in my personal life, I wasn't high performing. I wasn't being a great partner. Um, and so I had to learn how to work with my mind. And then along that process, I came across some basic principles and practice that repeatedly worked for pretty much everyone I taught them to. And so I built an approach around this that I call psychological fitness. And the whole idea of psychological fitness is you're actively creating a healthy, optimally functioning mind and you're learning to use it consciously in service of what matters most. And so over the last years, I've now been teaching this to a lot of people and, and I love it because I get to just teach some really simple things that people can use immediately in their lives, apply to their life situation, and start to make some big shifts in the quality of their life experience and the way they show up. So I see it as, it's kind of like, you know, the hero's journey. You go on this very uh, alone journey to discover the truth. And that truth eventually comes to you when you open to it and receive it. And then you feel duty bound from a very deep core level to then bring that to the world yourself, to offer it to the world. Not as a construct or fabrication of the personality, but as a sincere offering to the world. So psychological fitness is that. And um, I'm fortunate to have you know worked with you for some time and really fortunate we've been able to bring this into to Google Cloud. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's beautiful that you're, you're talking about that journey and it's it's kind of in many ways, the path of the wounded healer, right? Um, right. I would say that in order to impact another, you need to first impact yourself. And, and I know one of the things that you said to me uh, a while back in uh, one of our training sessions that really resonated with me is that we are always uh, the teacher, the teaching, and the thought. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if we're open to it. <laughs> yeah, there's, uh, you know... Um, a big thing happened. And I'll tell you, there was a moment where really things shifted. And, and I only share this, not because I need the world to hear this from my perspective, because it may actually help someone. Yeah. And something very profound happens when you shift from uh, what I want from the world, what I want to make happen in the world, to orienting towards life, what would you have me do? Mm. And when you actually shift, a lot of people experience a softening and a relaxation deep inside their body and being. And you realize, gosh, you know, it's like we're kind of programmed early on in life. You have to make life happen. And there is no doubt that with focus and persistence and grit and talent and support, you can make incredible things happen. But if you're running purely on ego power, it becomes unsustainable. It creates imbalances. It normally shuts down your feeling experience, your connection to life and connection to others around you. And so there is a middle way. And it seems to start when we open up to the possibility of being guided by something more deeply wise and intelligent than us. And I call it life. You can call it whatever you want. But that was a very profound moment for me when I just opened up and stopped the incessant tense striving yeah yeah no absolutely i mean uh, the word that comes to mind for me uh, is the word surrender and it's often paradoxical you know yeah. 
Yeah, you know, interesting. A lot of the wisdom t- traditions talk about this as well. I mean, yeah. the whole meaning of the word Islam, for example, means surrender. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's one surrendering to, and uh, it's that idea of surrendering to life. Yeah, the yeah. life that wants to live within you, and and when you do that, actually, what happens is life then liberates you. Right, exactly. In our teaching, as you know, we call that the shift from uh, victor consciousness, I'm in charge of life, going to make it happen, to vessel consciousness. Mm-hmm. And basically, the vessel consciousness, I'm willing to do what is required to create a conducive inner and outer environment for life to work, but then I'm going to let go. I'll step up and engage with life. I'm willing to engage fully with reality but I'm also simultaneously going to let go. And the way we teach letting go is actually through a very simple practice of softening. And if anyone's listening to this, you'll notice that when you're striving to make something happen, you're becoming very tense. And where there's tension, there's a significant story playing and there's a lot of emotion playing. When you learn to soften and center yourself in what I call the psychological core, it changes everything. The kind of internal stress falls away. You become so much more present, centered, and connected. And what you find is you enter this experience of conscious flow. You become what I call above the line. You feel connected. You're at your best without unnecessary tension. And that is a game changer for people to learn how to do. Yeah, no, definitely. And uh, I think that thing uh, that caught me initially when I saw the training, it took me a while to really get my head around it, was this idea that in order to <laughs> in order to get to that level of flow, you have to stop trying. Yeah, um, that's right. So, and I, I, it brought me back to, uh, when I did eventually click, it brought me back to uh, the Star Wars series, you know, and Yoda saying, uh, no try, just do. <laughs> Um, but eventually, yeah. it's, it's, it's about, as I said, um, being fully present in the moment, but relaxed, relaxed in your body. Um, yeah. Yeah. That comes a, an openness to the unknown and, and, and a stronger and a willingness to greet whatever arises and welcome whatever arises with, with openness. Yeah? Exactly. And, and, you know, we have a practice for that. And so, you know, these days, anytime I do an interview or podcast, I have to give one practice. Because, as you know, uh, you know, one of the mantras is, don't believe anything I say, we say. You just got to experience it for yourself. So is this a good time to kind of take people through centering practice? Let's do that. Yes, let's do that. Okay, so let's do this. Uh, this is just a very simple, direct way to access what I call your psychological core. You're not supposed to be living from your head. Most human beings live from their head. You'll know if it's true for you because you'll get a sense that you're located up here somewhere looking out through these eyes and your experience will be full of thoughts and stories and judgments. That's the default for most people. So we just need to know that it's not the optimal way of being in the world. It's a cause of a lot of problems for a lot of people. You'll naturally judge people around. You'll judge yourself and you'll feel separate from that's option A, there's option B, which is another way. So I'm going to teach you option B. It's called centering practice. So you just need to listen to these instructions. You don't need to make anything happen, strive for it, or be perfectionist around it. So you allow your eyes to go soft. Allow yourself to have soft eyes. The moment we allow softening to happen, we activate part of our nervous system called the ventral vagal. Allow eyes to be soft and allow a smile to start building on the inside. 
even if you don't want to, even if you don't feel like it, whatever is happening in your inner experience right now, smile into it. What you're doing is you're creating psychological safety inside of you. That has a profound influence on your neurology. Now here's what I want you to do. If it's safe for you to do, close your eyes, put your hand in your lower belly, count down from five, four, three, two, one. Arrive in your lower belly without going back up to your head, eyes open, looking. Now if you're in your lower belly, centered right now, what you'll notice is your mind's gone quiet. You naturally feel present, centered, and connected. Live from here. And when you need to use your head, because you need to plan and analyze and reflect from here, expand your awareness to include your head, have a good old think, do your work, and when you finish, come back down again. Take your seat. We call this centering practice, and this is the foundational practice for psychological fitness. Mm. And what I love about it is that we're learning to live in our bodies. Yes, um, right. so much of the time we, we kind of run to our heads uh, and, uh, from a sense of safety, I guess, to, to escape our, our bodies. And of course, there are many other ways that we look to escape our experience. You know, we right. ourselves, we distract ourselves, etc. And all about the practices with, with the you teach in psychological fitness, it's it's really about coming home, coming yeah. home to the body that we're gifted by life. You know, as I said, really inhabiting it in a way that maybe yeah. uh, we have struggled to do up to now. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And you know, the big realization here is that when you're in your head, you're top heavy, right? And that means a stress that comes along in life, you will by default overreact to it or underreact to it. Mm. That's a virtue of being top heavy. When you drop your center of gravity into your lower belly, you access your biological and psychological center of gravity. A stressor comes along, you'll just naturally flex and respond. And that is one of the things we've seen. When people start to live more centered in the lower belly and apply all of the practices we teach, they naturally are more resilient. They naturally are and feel much more confident, emotionally balanced able to connect with others. And what they find is, and this is such a relief as it was for me and for you and for others is, that constant mental commentary that goes around their head, that's commenting on everything and everyone simply falls away. We call that mental static. It's not required and in fact, it gets in the way of optimum functioning and connection and relationship. The internal narrator falls away that's called the default mode network that becomes quiet and integrated. We become present, we become attuned, and from here, from what we call being above the line, we respond to what's in front of us. And we do so with a sense of conscious flow. There's a flow, there's an ease, there's a presence about it. Now, we've just taught one practice, centering practice. Obviously, there's a lot more to it than that, but at least that gives you a sense of kind of where we're going with this yeah no absolutely and i mean this is very very practical i mean it's first and foremost is grounded in neuroscience but uh, i wanted to just kind of share with the audience something that happened to me recently where the practice kicked in in a moment that actually saved my life <laughs> um, I, I was coming home from london then one night with my wife in the car and as i was driving along the motorway it was late two other cars in front of me one car in the in, in the outer lane 
veered off the road. Um, it smashed into the barrier, and then it came sliding back across the, uh, the, 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 the motorway in front of myself and the other car, smashed the other barrier, barrier and came back again. Now, the moment it, it hit the barrier, I saw it, and straight away I saw it from my eyes. And rather than making a problem of the emergent reality, I just smiled into my interior, I welcomed it, and I relaxed, and I was completely relaxed in my body. And I was able to navigate through a very small gap between my, uh, the, the car next to me and the car that was coming sliding across to get through. I often describe it as going through a portal into another life, because <laughs> you know I could have been in a very serious accident. You know, could be injured. You know, who knows? Then, then my wife could be injured. The, the other people, etc. But in that moment, I was able to have a resource because of deliberate practice that really served me. And as I got to one example, but I think. You know, in any situation when you're with another individual, we can often find ourselves in a pressurized environment where we're reacting from tension. Um, and that can mean that we're not always showing up as our best self. And so having, having practices um, that can then allow us to, as I said, drop into this center of gravity in our lower belly and really respond from a, a sense of being far more present and attuned to the merge reality of the moment is so valuable so so right exactly you're learning to choose your mind state it's a real revelation when you realize you can actually choose the way you feel and function in any given moment most of us are victim to our mind state if we feel grumpy we're grumpy if we feel happy we're happy but it seems to be a combination of our life situation combined with our conditioning past that determines that what we teach is you're actually in charge of that. How do you do that? By shifting mind state. And so what we learn, particularly in the professional world, is that when you're under pressure, experiencing significant stress, you will notice a couple of things are happening. One is you're getting tense. Two is you've gone right to your head. Three is you'll come at the person or problem. Four is it's going to create friction and problems. Now, there's another way of doing it, which is the moment you realize you're stressed and, and frustrated and overwhelmed and caught up in a story and you're about to go at your team member or at your partner or at your children, the moment you see that, you must take charge of your mindset. How do you do that? You soften your eyes, you smile on the inside, you shift into your lower belly, you come above what we call above the line, and then from there, the response is completely different. And that's for you to choose. Because here's the thing, when you perceive, when we perceive another human being from the head, you don't see them. The shutters are down. You just see your thoughts and stories relating to them. You can't genuinely connect with and collaborate with another human being if you're perceiving them with the shutters down. You've got to become centered. Now you're connected. Now you can collaborate. Now you can get creative. And so one of the very gratifying things for us is to be seeing professionals who normally wouldn't be drawn to inner development work, learning these practices and realizing not only do they feel so much better inside of themselves, their well-being goes up, their experience to ability to experience joy and inner peace goes up, but the impact it has on the way they work their relationships to the colleagues and the creativity that comes from operating from your psychological core.
Yeah, and I, I can certainly attest to that from my own experience. I mean, these practices, when I started to learn them, were transformational in terms of my performance. Uh, not just in terms of my uh, ability to interact with others, but really in terms of my relationship with myself and you know, some of the choices then that I started to make to really enable myself to show up as my best self, you know, by taking care of myself in ways that I hadn't been doing previously. Um, and it was absolutely transformational in terms of the impact it had on, on performance. So, um, as I said, hugely valuable work that you're bringing to the world, Mark. Thank you so much for everything you do. Um, and uh, tell us a little bit more about how people can get in touch with you and find out more about psychological fitness and uh, psychological Yes, fitness. yes, of course. Thank you for the invitation. Uh, so psychologicalfitness.io is the website for the Psychological Fitness Academy. So we teach coaches, consultants and trainers how to incorporate the psychological fitness principles and practices into the work. And that's just a terrific training. We love uh, teaching it. And so... If you're interested, head to their personal website, drmarkatkinson.com. And if you're listening to this and you like the idea of training as a coach, then head to humanpotentialinstitute.com. So uh, I created a program called Human Potential Coach Training now over about 12 years ago. And we train a couple of hundred coaches a year with this kind of methodology that we're kind of talking about. So there's plenty for you to take a look at that. Fantastic. Mark, thank you so much again for making the time to be with us today. Uh, be well, and uh, we look forward to catching up again at some point in the future. Thank you.